co-heir this morning. The Jesus co, the co are for the four co's we're going to discuss over the next four weeks. We got co-heir this morning. Next week we're talking about community and my boy Robert White's going to be here. Y'all make sure he doesn't break my pulpit. You saw the video preview of him last week. Make him feel at home though. He's an amazing man of God. He's talking about community. The week I get back from Vietnam, I fly out tonight at 6.15. The week I get back from Vietnam, we're talking about co-laborer. And so we're going to touch on that a little bit this morning also, but then we'll wrap the series up um, with, with our series of co mission and watch what God is going to continue to do throughout this series. And so the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 9, 36. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that every time I read that, it's like, Father, give us your heart. Give us your heart and give us your eyes to see what you see and to feel what you feel, but then to respond in the way that you would respond. Amen. I believe so many times we drive around this world and our hearts are so hardened, we don't see what the Father sees anymore. We don't feel what he feels anymore, which makes it po impossible for us to respond like Jesus would respond. So I'm praying even throughout the body of Christ that there's a softening of our hearts, an opening of our eyes to see what the Father sees, to feel what the Father feels so we can respond in the way that Christ responded. And Christ responded like this when he saw the sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. And I love what Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Amen. Father, send us out into your harvest field this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. And as we're going out into the harvest field, we're remembering this, that we're going to reach, raise eternal and community hope. And that means 2 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, we will celebrate or glory in only with regard to our area of influence. God has assigned to us to reach even you. God has given us at TWBC a specific area of influence, and that is a 20-mile radius from this campus right here. That is our area of influence that he's assigned to us to reach even you, to reach everybody in this 20-mile radius. And I'm saying that today signups begin for Extreme Teacher Lounge Makeover. You can sign up at either information center the week of July 24th through the 28th. We're going to go into Bowie School's Teacher's Lounge and completely revamp that Teacher's Lounge and bless the ones and influence the ones that influence the most. Now, this is an amazing thing because we got 19 churches coming together to redo 15 Teacher's Lounges all over this 20-mile radius. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And we're going to watch what God does as we influence the one who influenced the most. But the Bible says this in Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city, everybody say city. A city set on a hill that can't be hidden. And so I want this to be more than a church movement. I want it to be a city-wide movement. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So therefore, if you are a business owner or you work at a business or you are a manager of a business and you would like to step in and help redo some of these schools we're asking for businesses to step in and financially sponsor a school to help pay for the cost that the church is going to go in and do the labor of to remodel schools and so therefore it's a citywide influence on our school district to show the ones that influence the ones that influence the most how much we love them how much we care for them and how much we truly support them as they pour into the next generation amen Remember last week I said there's a stat, there's 3 billion people below the age of 25. That's almost half the world population. 
and I'm ready to change our half of that world population in our 20-mile radius, amen, thank you, Jesus, by pouring into them. So if you want to help out with Extreme Teacher Lounge Makeover, sign up at either Information Center after each service. If you want to be a business that wants to partner in this, get with Pastor Derek Dillon. He'll get your name and your phone number, and I'll be in touch with you sometime when I get back from Vietnam. I've got to finish that project before I jump into this one. Amen. And then we'll make sure that you're a part of the Extreme Teacher Lounge Makeover because we're going to do this. Our goal this year is that every person would lead one person to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the start of that opportunity. Also, we know we're going to ignite nations around the world. We've done it so far in the first half of the year. We're going to continue in the second half of the year. We're going to impact a four-state area, which means an impression of the fingerprint of God in, the, in this four-state area. Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana. And then we're also going to influence or change the culture in this 20 mile radius as we co-air, co-partner, be partners with the Lord Jesus Christ to see what he's going to begin to do in this area. And so if we're going to do this, we got to know what our partnership in Jesus Christ is all about. Amen. We got to know what the Bible says about who we are so we can accomplish what God is calling to accomplish. And as we start the series, I want you to ask yourself these three questions in today's message. Ask yourself these three questions. What experience or skills do I have that qualify me to work at Jesus Co.? Everybody has an experience. Everybody has a skill. Everybody has a gifting on the inside of them that God's saying, I want you to use what's natural to you to step out into my company or corporation, Kingdom Incorporated, to accomplish all that I've called you to accomplish in this lifetime. So what skills or qualities do you have? What group of three do you have? Three references that would support you, that would say, hey, you know what? You're gifted in this, and I'm going to help you step out in this. I believe Jesus put this into place. You had Jesus who had the big 12, which are the 12 disciples, but then he had what I call the big three, Peter, James, and John, who went with him places that the other 12 didn't go or the other nine did not go. And so who are your three references that would say, I'm going to support this person, I'm going to lift this person up, I'm going to send them out with a good reference, with my backing as they go forward. And then finally ask yourself this question. If the worship service I'm currently attending were my first day at work, would I be fired by the time the message had started? If today's worship service was your first day at work, and the first 45 minutes of worship that we've just gone through, would you already be fired by the way you came in, by the attitude you presented yourself, by the way you operated, by the way you did things? Did you sit there and just spectate, or did you step in and, and expand the kingdom? The Bible says this, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. I mean, that means there's some action going forward. That means there's some pushback against us, and God's saying, I'm ready for a church, not just on Sunday mornings, but we'll start it on a Sunday morning, to push violently forward the kingdom of God amen and so it's more than coming in oh praise you Jesus we're pushing forward the kingdom of heaven and we're going to watch God do amazing things and then ask yourself this question if you were the CEO of in my case it would be Joel incorporated would you hire yourself or would you fire yourself if you were the CEO of your own company of Spencer incorporated of Damon incorporated of whoever you are would you hire yourself, first off, or would you fire yourself if you became the CEO today? If you, can, you need to answer these questions as we go through this series because it will hold you accountable in everything that you're called to do. The great thing is this is more than a hiring experience. Jesus said, I want you to come in and be involved in this. I don't want a 50-50 partnership. I want a 100%, 100% partnership, and you come in. I don't need your heart. I need your life, Jesus says. A lot of people, when we got born again, we say, oh, Jesus, come into my heart. He wants a lot more than your heart, baby. 
He said, when you sign on with me, I need your mind, your will, your emotions, your physical body. As much as you may not like it, I still need it, God says. I need your spirit. I need your inner man. I need your outer man. I need your mind renewed. I need you. I need all of you 100%. And so when you sign on to this partnership with Jesus Christ and you jump into Jesus' company and we expand Kingdom Incorporated, he doesn't need you 50% of the time. You're a partner 100% of the time and he wants all of you, even the parts that you don't like. Even the parts that you have harbored and held back from him in the deep places of your heart. He says, I want your good I want your bad, and I want your ugly. Because he said, I can make beauty out of ashes. I can make all things work together for good, even the bad things. And I want your giftings that I put in you, the good things I've already qualified you with. He wants all of you 100%. So as we jump into this, I want to read our job description for co-partner, partnering, co-heir. And it's Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, and I read this last week, so I'm going to fly through this part. And it says in Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, but God, everybody say, but God. God. That's worth an amen, shout of praise. Anytime it says, but God, that means he stepped in when he didn't have to step in and change something, he didn't have to change, amen. But God, being rich in mercy, hallelujah, because of his great love of which he loved us with, even better, Even when Joel was dead in his trespasses, he made Joel alive together with Christ. By grace, he has been saved. And he has raised Joel up and seated him with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might be able to show to Joel the immeasurable riches of his grace in his kindness towards Joel, who is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. See, y'all need to start reading the Bible like that. See, y'all read it and you think they're talking about the worship team. Y'all read it and think he's talking about TWBC Connect. Y'all read it and think he's talking about the Rage Student Ministries. Y'all read it and you think he's talking about everybody but you. When the fact of the matter is he's talking specifically to you. But God, being rich in mercy, reached out and touched Thomas' life. Thank you, God. Because he loved us with such great love. When Thomas was dead in his trespasses, he raised him up and seated him in Christ Jesus with heavenly, in heavenly places. Amen. Man, you got to make it real for yourself. And so our job description as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is this. As we carry out this partnership role, it's this. We need to be rich in mercy also as the church. Amen. The church needs to be rich in the area of mercy. And listen, you can't be rich in the area of mercy and stingy in the area of physical generosity at the same time. It doesn't work. You can't be rich in mercy but be stingy in the area of physical generosity. Because when you're rich in mercy, it's going to take your physical time. Come on. Joel's talking to her, right? There's going to be some God interruptions in your day. And I got to learn to be generous with my time because he was rich in mercy to me. If I'm going to be rich in mercy to the others, it's going to take something of me physically, not just spiritually. See, a lot of us, we love to pawn all this stuff off and, oh, this is all just spiritual stuff. If your spiritual stuff is not having an impact on your physical life, it's not even a spiritual thing for you. If your spiritual stuff is not changing how you live daily physically, it's not a spiritual thing to you. It's a philosophy, a far-reaching idea that you hadn't grabbed onto yet. So your, your spiritual side must influence your physical life or you really don't believe it. Because what you really believe is what you really do. 
I say, I say it with tithing all the time. People say, I believe in tithing. Do you do it? Nope. Then you just think it's a good idea. You really don't believe it. Right? Amen. Oh, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Dude, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you been given with the gift that Jesus had given you? Well, no, then, then you love him. You got an idea of him. But it, to say you believe it and it changed your lifestyle is a different story. And I'm not ashamed of that. I love the day that I got filled with the Holy Spirit, with power. And it happened in my bedroom when I was in eighth grade, when I was a kid, praying by myself. Nobody was even around. So if you think it's got to be some crazy, freaked out thing, you have never been more wrong. It's an intimate touch from the Father that says, I don't want to hold anything back from you. I'm ready to give you all that I got and pour it out on your life. So God, being rich in mercy, if what you say you believe spiritually doesn't affect you physically, then you really don't believe it spiritually. And if we are a spirit, we possess a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and we live in this physical body, that means what we are spiritually and what we believe spiritually should change the way we think, the way we act, what we do, how we uh, show emotions about it, and how we operate physically in this life. All right, I don't got time to stay on that. Let's go on. Being rich, that was just rich in mercy. And now with great love, you're going to do everything you do as a believer out of love. Amen? Everything of you do as a believer has got to be done out of love. The Bible says this, faith works by love. So if you're wondering what's wrong with your faith walk, it may not be your faith walk, it may be your love walk. Because if faith is only in operation because of the way you love and how you love and of your love relationship with the Father, then, then there's some issues we have. So we, we, if your faith walk is failing, you need to look at your love walk first. Who do I need to forgive? <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Who do I need to go love on that I missed the opportunity to because I didn't let a God interruption happen? Check your love walk. So God, being rich in mercy with great love, he says he did this. Joel, when he was dead, made him alive. The last part of our partnership is this. We need to go around making dead people live again. We need to make dead people live again, spiritually and physically. Because remember, if it's a spiritual concept, it's got to affect your physical actions. So I'm even talking about dead people rising again. But I'm also talking about believers who are physically alive but dead in their spirit because of hurts, because of pains, because of unbelief, maybe because they've never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are people in our 20-mile radius who have never heard the name Jesus, contrary to what some of you may believe. And so we must begin to grab hold of our partnership and look around and say, I see somebody who's dead or in the process of dying, and it's my job. I take the initiative as a partner in Kingdom Incorporated to help them live again, to call out the God callings in them, to start lifting them up, to start supporting them, to start praying for them, to start meeting with them on a daily basis, if necessary, to watch them come alive again in Christ Jesus. That's not the job of the pastor. That's the job of us as partners in the ministry of Jesus Christ so now that we got our job description down and we've touched base on that again just for a second you know when you get a new job the one thing you wonder where you're going to be at is where is your workstation and so let's talk about your office just for a minute your office just for a minute in Luke 15 31 the Bible says this it says and he said to him son you are always with me and all everybody say all and all, everybody say all, all, that is mine, is yours. So he said, I got an office for you. Do you want a window or not? 
well, you know, Jesus, I just really don't know. I'm just, I'm just going to be humble, and if it's available. No, he said, all that is mine is yours. And so if you don't want a window, tell him you don't want a window. Don't play this little humble me card and then ask God to bless you later when you already turned down his blessing in the beginning. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. Well, God, if it's your will to forgive me, I'll just receive your forgiveness. He already said it's his will. He already sent his son to the cross and he died for you. He already rose him again for you. Of course it's his will. The question is, do you really want forgiveness? It is his will. And so in this process, when God says, do you want an office with a window? If you want an office with a window, say, I want an office with a window. <laughs> See, I don't want an office with a window. I don't want an office at all. I want to be on the dock on the crystal sea watching what God is doing out in his glory and his splendor. I don't want to be stuck in a room. <laughs> but for the sake of the corporation analogy, I got to use something. So we're going to talk about an office. What floor do you want it on? <laughs> all that I have is yours. Let's talk about your office as a partner. You're a partner. You've been seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. He said in Luke 15, 31, all that I have, Joel, it's yours, your partnership. You're in this thing 100%. There is no plan B. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And just, just so y'all know, I have no plan Bs in my life. If TWBC goes bust in the next year, Joel has no plan B. I'm here. I'm not leaving. We're pressing on through and through. We're going to influence a 20-mile radius. We're going to impact the four-state area. We're going to ignite nations around the world because I'm living this thing like it's all I got because it's all I got. <laughs> and I want you to live like it's all you got because really, it's all you got. And in this corporation, in your office, we got to realize in this partnership, which the reality is, it's truly sonship. The greatest revelation that you'll ever have to understand is that you fully, already, truly belong. You are a part. You belong. If you feel like you don't fit in in the church setting, it does not mean you don't belong in his setting. Listen, you belong. You're here. It's yours. Kingdom of God. It's yours. You've been seated with Christ in heavenly place. You're not aspiring to get there. It's already happened. The kingdom belongs to you. You already belong. And for us to fully get that revelation that I belong, everybody likes to belong. Everybody likes to belong to something. Everybody wants to be wanted. Jesus wanted you. That's why he died for you. That's why he rose again from the dead for you. That's why he said, I got a gift for you. And it's called the Holy Spirit and it's called power. You belong, you're wanted, you're loved. But the biggest revelation any partner or son will ever realize is that they already belong. And he says, welcome to your new office. This is where you belong. This is where you're at. You belong here. The office you're looking at, th this is more than I could have ever asked for. It's okay, you belong here. Have you ever been to a restaurant that was really, really nice and you felt like you didn't belong? Yeah. Right? See, I've never been there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And you know how awkward you felt? But you know what? If you'll keep continually going back in the place that you feel you don't belong, you'll really start belonging. See, at first it does feel weird 
saying, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, but he's Jesus. But he's saying, but it's you. <laughs> he's saying, it's you. You walked into church this morning. He said, it's Zach. <laughs> Zach's in the house. Come on. <laughs> Zach, I don't know who else gave you that, but Jesus said that. And, and we're sitting here looking like, but it's Jesus. Jesus, look at it. But it's you. Yeah. Did, did you get that? Yeah. But it's you. You belong here. You, you felt so out of place where you were at in the earthly world. I brought you a heavenly place to show you where you really belong. But your mind's been so tainted in the earthly place. It's going to take me doing some revamping in this heavenly place yeah. to get you to realize you truly belong here more than you actually belong there. So you got to realize you belong. You're a partner in this thing. And so the things we've got to realize is we belong. Partners recognize who they are in Christ. They know that they are sons with all the benefits of heaven. And they, listen to this, they work from a place of rest, not trying to gain or achieve things. Amen. You work from a place of rest. When you truly understand your role as partnership, you'll walk down the hallway of your office you won't have to worry about a thing. You're a partner. You're not worried about the ones around you. You're a partner. You're not worried about the people next door. You're a partner. You're not worried about it. You're a partner. So you quit, you quit working from a place of trying to achieve partnership because now that you've partnered with Christ, he's put you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus and said, all that I have is yours. Now that you're in partnership with him, you, gotta, you, you don't have to gain or achieve anything else. He said, I've already given it all to you. What are you working to gain or achieve? Get this. The things of heaven must be received, not achieved. They must be received, not achieved. And what do I mean by that? You must receive the things of the kingdom just like you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This is what I call the theology of firsts. Whenever you see something for the first time in the Bible, you need to notate it, such as the church. The first time it's written or mentioned, it says this, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So when you read the church and the first thing said about it is the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, you ought to get excited no matter how dark the world looks because the Bible says the church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You're part of the church. The gates of hell won't prevail against you. Hallelujah, because I'm in partnership. And when you got born again, you're saved by grace through faith. You're born again by grace through faith. If that's the way you were born again, the theology of first says, if this is the way I'm born again, this sets the precedence how everything else in the kingdom of God is received also. By grace, what God has already done for you through Christ Jesus, through faith, my believing of the first message I preached, paid in full, that he's already paid the full price for me to have everything. I've just got to learn that I receive it by grace, not by works. Whether I come down here and pray 20 times in a day or one time in a day or I just pray in my prayer closet, it doesn't matter the amount of times. It matters the amount of intimacy. Yeah. It's about quality, not quantity. Yeah. There is something to be said for quantity when it's quality. Right. Amen? But a lot of you are spending quantity trying to get quality. If you'll spend quality, you'll increase your quantity. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, come on now. That's... If you'll remember, it's all about quality, it's easy to increase the quantity. 
Remember the first date you went on with the one love of your life? Nope. <laughs> some of y'all single men, amen, some of y'all single men, I ain't got there yet. But I'm getting, I'm believing by faith. I receive it by grace through faith in Jesus' name. And it was so quality that you didn't have to worry about the quantity until curfew hit. And you had to hurry up and get home because the quantity ran out and you didn't want it to stop because it was so quality. Right? Come on now. Hey, hey, come on now. In this life, it is about the quality of time that you spent with the Father, not the quantity. But where there is quality, I promise you there's going to be a great amount of quantity. I want you to work on your quality in this thing. So the things of the kingdom of heaven must be received, not achieved. This works-based relationship that you're in with the Father isn't working for the Father. It's not working for Him. He doesn't like it. Why are you trying to work for what Jesus already did? And in this, it even goes so far to two ends of the spectrum. you got the one spectrum of we must do these works, and we are supposed to do good works. We're going to talk about this in co-laboring, so you're not getting out of the physical action, okay? We must do these works, feed the poor, take care of those who are hungry, take care of the widows and the orphans. Yes, the Bible says to do all these works, and you do need to do it. On the other hand, the Bible says lay your hands on the sick, do these things, and do this awesome side. On the other side, the, what one people would call the charismatic side of the work, and other people would call the, 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 the laboring side of work, the physical side that really makes a difference from some people's point of view. Okay? It's all works if you're trying to achieve something by it. If it is not a product of the overflow of faith in you. The Bible says that anything that does not come from faith is sin. If it's not a product of the overflow of faith in you, it doesn't matter if it's the charismatic side or the laboring side. It doesn't matter at all if it doesn't come from faith because it's works trying to achieve something, not receive something from the kingdom of God. We must try to receive and learn to receive, not achieve. Because as partners, we have a promise that's called paid in full. And in this, the Bible says, all that I have is yours. So as a partner, God expects some things. He expects habitation. He wants you to habitate with him. Spend time with him. Love on him. In that, he'll bring anointing. In that, he'll even bring gifts, such as prophetic. Whatever, that, whatever, whatever God is trying to pour into your life, he wants to bring gifts into your life so you can use them. And so you can work in them. And everything is based in faith, rooted in love. Everything is faith-based that we do, knowing that it's through the Father working through us, not anything Joel would do, because the Father loves me and he loves the people around me, and I love him. That's how this whole machine works. So from your office, you got to begin to understand this principle. And in the kingdom of God, we got to realize this. Our value is based on who I am and who I be and, and my being that I belong, not striving or struggling to achieve something. Yeah. So my value is based on who I am. I belong. Everybody say, I belong. I belong. In my corner office, my corner with a window, window, or three, or glass all the way around it. Yeah. I don't care what you are. You belong. You belong. And you got to get that in your head. You belong. You got to get it in your heart. You belong. You belong here. 
You belong in this place. Does it seem too good for you? Absolutely. It's heaven. It's God. It's his kingdom. Of course it's too good for you. But that doesn't mean you don't belong. It means you need Christ to get there. It means you need Christ to step into it. And listen, at Kingdom Incorporated, we got to get this thing right. We celebrate all victories at Kingdom Incorporated. When we celebrate all victories, it makes all of our stock go up. Come on. When one person realizes they belong, we all celebrate it. Because when one more belongs, all of our stock goes up. Amen. When one person starts operating in the power of God, all of our stock goes up. So we all celebrate it. When one person starts doing the, the, the calling of God on their life, which may be in a mission field in another country, or it may be signing up to teach at a, a school here in Sulphur Springs, whatever it is, we all celebrate it because it's somebody stepping into the will of God. And when somebody steps into the will of God, all of our stock increases at Kingdom Incorporated. Amen. So in this, we must begin to celebrate all victories. When there's a Rage Student Ministries victory, the whole church celebrates it, not just Rage. When there's TWBC kids getting baptized, the whole church celebrates it, not just kids. When the 80-year-old man got baptized a couple weeks ago, we all got to celebrate it. Because all of our stock goes up when we celebrate kingdom advances. And because you belong, when you advance, we all celebrate. We got to be careful of one thing, though we got to be careful of the office trap. The office trap is this. Luke 15, 29 in the NIV version says it like this. But the son looked at his father and said, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Did you catch that? Wait, I thought we were partners. I, th- I thought we were partners. And the work should be an overflow because I know that I belong. But this guy here said, right before he said, all that I have is yours in verse 31, he says, the older son says, I've been slaving, not partnering with you. Did you catch the difference? And if partnership really means sonship, I've been slaving for you, Father, when he should have been sonning with the Father. See, many of you are slaving for the father when he says, I want you to be a son. Just enjoy being my kid. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Just enjoy being my son. And this guy said, I've been slaving, and the father never asked him to slave. The father never asked you to slave. He does say, I need you to work in my kingdom. We'll talk about that during co-laboring. But he asked you to come be his son first so you know that you belong. And then once you know you belong, you got a vested interest in Kingdom Incorporated. And when you got a vested interest, you're working not for their benefit, but it also benefits you because when one person wins, we all celebrate because all of our stock goes up, remember? But this guy said, I've been slaving for you. And when somebody got a blessing, he got mad. The office trap is this. Many of us fall into this. When one person gets a blessing, the other person thinks, oh, well, I guess there it went for the day. I don't get mine. Come on. Come on. Uh, that could be um, God saying, look, if I can do it for them, I can do it for you. Look, if I can do it once, I can do it twice. Look, if you see somebody else getting blessed and they're stepping into their calling or their destiny, why don't you celebrate it? Because that just shows your heart about are you willing to receive all that I have for you? And what you're going through. So we got to beware of the office trap. God didn't call us to slave. 
Some partners have cognitive knowledge, listen to this, they got cognitive knowledge that they are sons, but haven't grasped being partners or co-heirs, and they feel like slaves in the kingdom. Well, all Joel ever does is he just wants us back there serving coffee every single Sunday morning. <laughs> no, I believe you're pouring, I really believe this, this is what I pray when I come in. It's like, God, as they serve coffee, I pray that the overflow of the coffee is an overflow of their heart, and every cup that they hand out is an anointed cup that changes somebody's life. That's what I pray. That's what I believe. Amen. And if it's got caffeine in it, it's anointed. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So in this, they got cognitive knowledge that they're sons, but haven't grasped being partners. So they still work as slaves in the partnership. Now listen, they know what the Bible says about them, so they're still working to achieve a place of approval and acceptance from the Father rather than receiving it. See, the big difference here is that it's a fine line across many of us. We're trying to achieve something still to show the Father that we're worthy of greater anointing. And the only way you can achieve that is by receiving that. The only way you receive that is by habitation in his presence and getting to know him and getting to know who the Father is. Now listen, they know what the Bible says about them, but they are still working to achieve a place of approval and acceptance. Listen, in the body of Christ, I've never seen a, a more competitive market than in the church. Yeah. Well, I sing better than so-and-so. Well, I preach better than so-and-so. Well, pastor, if I were you, I would have said it like this, or I would have did it like that. If I, well, step up and let's plant churches. Go do it the way you want to. All that he has is ours. We all belong. If you can do it great and better and good, it's time we help you step up and let's start planting churches in this 20-mile radius. Let's start planting churches in a four-state area. Let's start planting churches around the world so you have an opportunity to do it better, and I want you to do it better than me. Heaven forbid you should make the same, forbid you should make the same mistakes I've made. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Good gosh. If I could teach somebody all the things I did wrong, I would save 20 years off their life. <laughs> Amen. God being rich in mercy. <laughs> That's why I put Joel in there. Rich in mercy. Now listen to this. People who live as slaves, they do this really well. They know how to get to heaven, but they don't know how to get heaven to earth. People who live in this achieve mentality, a works-based mentality, they know how to get to heaven. They receive Christ as Lord and Savior, but they hadn't stepped into the role of sonship. Therefore, they know how to get to heaven but they never figure out how to get the things of heaven to the earth to transform our 20-mile radius. This is the dangerous trap of the office. You get so busy doing the projects in the office, in the church, that we lose perspective as a partner. We're supposed to work on it, not just in it. We're supposed to work on it, not just in it. And we get this slave mentality, and we know how to get a bunch of people to heaven, but we forget how to get a bunch of stuff from heaven to this earth. We must figure this out and come into a place of sonship. Now listen, in this, as we, as we go through this, if you're a son, you'll have habitation. Guys, put the chart up on the screen if you don't mind. If you're a slave, you only have visitation. If you're a son, you have habitation. Many people come into church every Sunday and have a visitation, and I love your visitation. I'm not making light of the visitation, but if your visitation never turns into a habitation, you'll live as a slave and never in the benefits of a son. We must have visitation, not habitation. Or we must have habitation, not visitation. We must operate in this realm of habitation. 
as a slave, you start working and working and working and you become annoying, not anointed. Right? Y'all been there. I've been in places. And people slaving all over the place and it's annoying, not anointed. They got, a, they got this, this demonstration of something great and miraculous, but no power in it. The Bible says something about that. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. In that, I would rather have a church of power that's anointed and not have everything glamorous and a form of godliness than to ever have a form of godliness but no God. That means I'm a slave. So if you're living as a slave, all the work becomes annoying, not just to you, but to people around you because you become bitter. You're a greeter and you're bitter and you're annoying. So glad you're at TWBC today. Welcome to the church. I don't know why I do this every Sunday morning. You want a bulletin? Here's the bulletin. Don't forget to get your raffle ticket at the information center. You're not just annoying to yourself. You're annoying to everyone. When God wants anointed. In the areas of giftings, we try to do things as a slave where there is no power and it becomes pathetic rather than prophetic. And when I use the term prophetic, I'm just using the example of a gift. But we try to do things without the power of a son and we're doing it as a slave. We look pathetic, not prophetic, not powerful, not walking in the anointing. Everything is based out of fear and self-preservation from that point on. And when fear and self-preservation set in in the church, it becomes very territorial. This is my Sunday school classroom. Nobody else gets to touch it. This is my certain area. Nobody else gets to have it. Listen, we will slay every sacred cow that comes through the church doors. And believe me, we, 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 got, we got people in our elder group and our staff group that, that will call attention to things that are becoming sacred cows. And, and we will make sure sacred cows don't exist because we're here to glorify one person, and that's our Heavenly Father, and bring Him glory in every way. If something ever takes the place of the Father, then we've missed it all over again. I want to wrap up with this right here. There's really two messages in one, so I'm trying to get through it but not miss anything. It's time we begin working on the kingdom. And if you're ever in a business, you have two realms that you operate in. You're working on the business, but you also got the work to do in the business. Okay, working on the business, you're the owner, you're the manager, you're the overseer, you're looking at vision, you're looking at direction, you're looking at the, 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 the stats, you're looking at the projections for the next year. You're working on the whole business, but also many times you've got to roll in the business, the physical manual labor that you do in the business. Right now as a partner, we're talking about working on the business. When we talk about co-labor, we'll talk about working in the business and your specific role in the business. But right now, we're talking about working on the business. And so when we talk about co-labor, we're talking about these things. This is a different kind of work when you're in the partnership role and we're working on it. It is work from a place that you're seated in your office in heavenly places and it turns good things into glory things. When you're on, working on the kingdom of God, this is your intercessory prayer. This is your time with the Father. This is the time when you're getting uh, in his presence of habitation in the morning and in the evening so you're equipped for the, the projects at hand. This is working on the kingdom of God. 
And there's a defined difference that we've got to realize as a church, the difference between working on it and working in it. What I do in study and preparation for the message and everything I'm doing here this morning, I've worked on it, on the kingdom all week, so now right now I'm working in it. Yeah. I'm doing my physical laboring of working in it. So I need you to begin to work on it so you'll, good things will turn into glory things. It turns higher thinking into heavenly thinking. It turns higher thinking into heavenly thinking. We don't need a church that just thinks higher. We need a church that thinks heavenly. We need a church that operates in the heavenly realms. Listen to this. Ephesians 1, 15 through 20 says this. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards all the saints. Listen, that sums up all that we are right there. I do not cease, this is Paul praying, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, listen to this, may as a partner give you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know the hope that he has called you to as a partner, that what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us. Oh, come on. What is his immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also the one to come and he will put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is the body the fullness of all who are in him the fullness of him who fills all and is in all. As we close out this message on partnership, I'm going to make four statements really quick, and I need you to write them down, take pictures of the screens, whatever you got to do, because this is important. As a partner, and you're working on the kingdom, it's time that we go to a heavenly calling, not just a higher calling. It says this, may he give you the spirit of wisdom. The Bible says this, the father to work on the kingdom says, I'm ready to give you the spirit of wisdom. In fact, he's already done it through Jesus Christ. You just got to receive it, not achieve it. May he give you the spirit of wisdom, thinking on a heavenly level, not just a higher level. Everybody in business wants to go to leadership training and all these trainings to think on a higher level. God says, I don't need you just thinking on a higher level. I'm talking about Kingdom Incorporated, the three, billion, the three billion people below 25 who need to know Jesus, the one billion soul harvest. I don't need just higher thinking. I need heavenly thinking. And it comes, I'm going to give you the spirit of wisdom. It also, the next one says this, may he give you the spirit of revelation. This is the ability to apply the heavenly level here on earth. Right. Now that's the good thing. He said, I'm going to give you the spirit of wisdom. That goes from higher thinking to heavenly thinking. But then I'm going to give you the spirit of revelation. That's the ability to apply the spirit of wisdom to the earthly realm that you're in. So it's basically saying, Joel, you're here, and i got to get you here to get you into my wisdom. But when you're here, I'm just not going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you revelation to take it back to here where you're laboring. So you go up into the heavenlies to get heavenly revelation and the spirit of wisdom to bring down to the earthly levels to change the world that we're in. Come on, thank you, Jesus. He said, I'm giving you the spirit of wisdom and I'm giving you the spirit of revelation. The wisdom is the high, heavenly level. The revelation is the ability to apply it here on earth. In the knowledge of him. Operating in the knowledge of him instead of operating in the knowledge of you. Come on now. <laughs> That's the good part. You get to leave here today knowing this. I get to operate in the knowledge of my Father who is all-knowing rather than operating in the knowledge of me who knows nothing. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but he does. Yeah. 
And people think, say this, Joel, it, it, it's, it's like God's pulling me out from where I'm comfortable and I just don't know what to do. Good, because if you knew what to do, you would operate in the, the knowledge of you. He's trying to get you to operate in the knowledge of him. And to do that, he's got to get you to a place where you think you don't know. And the truth of the matter is the quicker we would stay in the place that we really, really don't know at all at any time, we'll always operate in the knowledge of him because it's like, Father, what do you want me to do? Father, what do you want me to do? Father, what do you want me to do? Never been uh, more in tune to that when you're going through an airport and planes are canceled and you don't know where you're going in a foreign country and you're by yourself. Like, I need the knowledge of him, not the knowledge of me. My knowledge says, next plane to Dallas, Fort Worth, here we come. <laughs> His knowledge says, go talk to that lady right there. She'll tell you where to go. I'm telling you, it's real. He wants to give you the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, and the knowledge of him so you operate in the way he thinks, not the way you think. This is thinking at a heavenly level, not just a higher level. And we watch what God does. And so having the eyes of your hearts enlightened this is the ability to see differently to see everything and to see the solution all at the same time well come on that's loaded i should have made this two messages having the eyes of your hearts enlightened it gives you the ability to see differently you got to start seeing differently if you're still seeing through your eyes you're not seeing through the, the heavenly levels you're just seeing through your levels again you got to see everything God, open up my perspective to see the full picture. Remember, we're not just working in the kingdom in Joel's little area of preaching. I, I, I gotta see, I wanna see everything. I wanna see how the mass of the kingdom expanding so I know that what my area does here accomplishes something there. Whenever you see cars being mass produced and you go to a car plant and you see an assembly line, the people who are putting the locks inside the doors of the car know that they play a specific function for the end result even though they're not at the end result. You're in this kingdom thing, but if you just think, I'm just here to put locks in car doors all day long. Jesus doesn't really love me. I don't know what the end result is. This is why he's saying, I want you to have the eyes of your heart and light so you know when you put this lock in the door that is protecting somebody on the other side. Yeah. Come on. He wants you to see differently. He wants you to see everything. And then he'll, when you see that, you'll see the solution. You realize the laboring that we're going to get in co-labor, what you do is part of the solution, not a part of the issue, not a part of the problem. So he wants you to have the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, and the knowledge of him so that the eyes of your heart are open and you see how to work on the kingdom, not just in the kingdom. For this one reason. That you may know the hope that which he has called you. Worship team, come on up.